Good morning. I I pray that you find yourself in good in a good place. Let's go ahead and open this meeting. Follow with a moment of silence. With the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Uh, this is our Elnon family group. My name is Fernando. I am a grateful member of Elnon. Uh, I wish it would have came into my life years ago. I'm going to be reading from one day at a time in Elnon. And I wanted to say uh, about the stress that a lot of ladies receive around Thanksgiving. And men, they want to get the family together and someone's drinking in the family. I'm sorry that's happening to you. I did that. I'm sorry uh, they're not here. I'm sorry it's not com- people are not complying to love. Just keep praising and thanking God and be loving at, the, at all times. It's very difficult for us to try to change somebody by speaking to them. We have to go to God like a triangle. We go to God, and then God sends something into their heart, and then they they send they themselves send something back to us like an indicator that God is is working in their lives or some kind of a loving gesture or a, a something good. So, it's not rocket sciences. We thank God for the person just the way they are because God can be using the alcohol, the rage, the drunkenness, the absence. <clears throat> it's an education and reminder to them of what's valuable in life. Family is what's le- valuable. Love is what's valuable. I'm Fernando. I am a member. That's my experience. And uh, it's the only experience I have. It's working so far is to thank my higher power for the days that are coming and it will be all right. All will be well. Okay, November 22nd. Today I'll be reading from one day at a time in Elnon. Happy Thanksgiving week. It is strange to think that many groups are hardly aware of the 12 traditions and their importance in keeping an Elnon group strong and united. The traditions guard us from the destructive effects of dominance by individual members. They make us all equal so we can work together in harmony to achieve our spiritual growth and understanding. When each member of the group is familiar with the traditions and helps to make them work in the group, we are safe from many of the hazards that beset people who come together for a particular purpose. In Al-Anon, conflict views become merely different views, so our problems can be solved with tolerance, understanding, and mutual respect. When problems arise, we refer to chapter 10 of Living with an Alcoholic, where we find explanations and solutions arrive as through the 12 traditions. Today's reminder, I will make it my business to familiarize myself with the 12 traditions of Al-Anon so I can do my part toward promoting growth for the group and each member in it. Our common welfare should come first. Personal progress for the greatest number depends upon unity. Amen. And unity for me is the love of the group. 
my common welfare is to is to pray for the unity giver, the love giver. So there will be personal progress with my higher power for the greater number of good. Amen. Our next book for today is Hope for Today, November 22nd. Special celebrations were always hard while I was growing up in, in my alcoholic family. The atmosphere always seemed sad because dad used to get depressed before holidays. Now that I'm grown, holidays are still hard and dad still gets depressed. The difference is I don't live at home anymore and now I am a member of Elnon. In Elnon, I learn I have choices. I can let go of the parts of my life that are not under my control and I can take charge of the parts that are. are. Even in the midst of the sadness I felt while growing up, I knew life had to be more fun than what I experienced. So, with the help of the program and the people in it, I decided to act on that knowledge. I reclaimed the holidays for myself in ways both small and large. I bought pairs of earrings that symbolized each celebration, and I even bought matching socks. I never liked writing and mailing holiday cards, so I stopped. The most wonderful holiday tradition I have started is spending time with my friends and spiritual family in recovery. We celebrate many holidays together, and we always have a great time. This way, if I do decide to spend some holiday time with my family and accept the challenge of that choice, I also celebrate with people I trust to accept me as I am. I may not have enjoyed many holidays while growing up, but I can start enjoying them now. Thought for the day. My friends in the program helped me heal my childhood by creating happier memories today. I knew deep down inside that God had not created me to feel sad, but I need to learn how to get out from under that feeling. The Forum, May 1998. Amen. And now, Courage to Change... November 22nd. Elanon is a spiritual recovery program. The word recovery implies that we are regaining <coughs> regaining something we once possessed but have lost or set aside. Woo, what's up with that, huh? In the confusion of living with active drinkers, I lost track of my spirit. Life was a survival game. A daily grind of fear and hard work. No matter what I tried, nothing seemed to help. Perhaps that's because I was trying to do it all by myself. In Elon, I have come to know that I have a resource within me and all around me that can guide me through the most overwhelming fears and the most challenging decisions. A higher power, regardless of how I define that higher power, it is real to me and has always been here for me. I am so grateful to have recovered that connection to my spirituality, for in doing so I have regained an essential part of myself. As a result, today my life has a sense of purpose that makes each moment a precious gift. Today's reminder, I am a spiritual creature capable of faith, hope, and appreciation of beauty. 
I have an unlimited source of strength and comfort at my disposal today. I will take the time to cultivate the spiritual connection. Half an hour's meditation is essential, except when you are very busy, then a full hour is needed. Francis D. Sales. <coughs> Thank you, everyone. Let's go ahead and pray out. Let's pray with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Amen. Now we're going to read today's daily reflection for the 12-step program of AA. See, I can fit that in. Thank you so much for coming in today's reading. Ah. You know, I'm going to stop it right here. Greetings. Greetings, everyone. Thank you for coming to today's uh, special Al-Anon reading. I'm going to be reading a few pages from the new book, Hope for Today. It's more pertinent to our Thanksgiving weekend. I read the 22nd, and I realized that uh, the 22nd hit it right on on what we're going through right now as far as uh, preparing for Thanksgiving. On November the 20th, on Hope for Today, it says... Sometimes an alarm clock can be so welcome. Other times, it's nothing but a disturbance. When I have a special visit planned and must catch an early plane, I'm thankful the alarm went off and I heard it. Other days, when I'd rather not go to work, the same alarm is an unwelcome intrusion. It disturbs me when I would prefer to stay comfortable in bed. Truth, like an alarm clock, can be comforting or disturbing. Sometimes I feel grateful to hear someone speak of a comforting truth. On the other hand, there has been times when I felt intimidated, to be honest. What about those times when I heard truth about myself that left me feeling angry, embarrassed, or upset? When given the occasion to hear or speak an uncomfortable reality, I have choices. I can hear it and grow. I can share it and grow or I can ignore it in favor of maintaining my comfort zone. The truth merely provides me with opportunity for growth. The rest is up to me. Whoa. <laughs> Good stuff, huh? Thought for the day. How do I respond when the bell of truth rings? Do I face the discomfort so I may embrace the growth? With the 12 steps, I learned to face the truth, the whole truth.
from Survival to Recovery, page 260. Wow. Again, I have choices. I can hear it and grow. I can share it and grow. Or I can ignore it in favor of maintaining my comfort zone. That was November the 20th. Okay, let's go ahead and move over. About November 21st says, Step 5, admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Suggest a specific order for actions. It also gives me a guideline for prioritizing the relationship in my life. Ships in my life. First, I need to develop a relationship with the God of my understanding. This will be the source of my happiness and future recovery in Elena. Without such a relationship, I will not have the strength, guidance, or wisdom I need to live and learn the 12 steps, traditions, concepts of service, and slogans. My higher power will give me courage to develop the attitudes and behaviors that bring about solid recovery. Step one through three help me build this important relationship. Next, I learn to become at peace with myself. I wake up with myself every morning and go to sleep with myself every night. I spend 24 hours a day with that one person, so it is important that I am at least tolerable, if not down, downright enjoyable company. I can't be that person when I'm overly controlled by guilt, fear, and resentment, and negligibly aware of my gifts and talents. Steps four through seven help me get to know and accept myself. Step four and seven help me to get to know and accept myself. Lastly, I start acting responsibility towards others. The best way to heal that guilt and resentment I've been lugging around is to take a good hard look at the people I've harmed and do my best to make amends. I can't even go one step further by carrying a message of hope instead of hurt, as I may have done in the past. Steps 8 through 12 help me clean up my past and plant seeds of benevolence in the future. Thought for the day. In what order of importance are my relationships today? The steps are a guide to total good living, one day at a time in Elna. All right, all right. Let me go ahead and take the opportunity to read the two more. It's pertinent for Thanksgiving, November 23rd. My parents argued again the other day. My alcoholic father decided to end his relationship with my brother for not giving him a birthday card. My mother wanted to continue the relationship with her son, and it all came to a head when dad took mom to the hospital for a simple eye operation. Along the way, he announced he was divorcing her for taking, for talking to my brother. He saw her communication with her son as a betrayal. When I went to visit mom in the hospital, I found her crying. I felt so sorry for her. And all I have learned alcoholism is a disease that affects everyone in the family. I had already forgiven my mother for neglecting me during her preoccupation with my father's drinking. I had been making daily steps, nine amends to my mom by treating her better, but I had never made formal person-to-person -person amends 
Now was my opportunity. I took her hand in mine. I kissed her tears away the way I wanted her to do for me when I was a child. I told her all my good character traits that I find, and I finally realized had come from her. I shared with her how grateful I was that she was my mother and how much I loved her. I held her and we cried together in joy and love. We talked about the disease of alcoholism, my father's alcoholic thinking, and how we both thought it was easier for him to think of divorcing her than it was to lose her through surgery. Did you hear that? And how we both thought it was easier for him to think of divorcing her than it was to lose her through surgery. As I left, she said she felt better. I felt close to my mother for the first time. Thought for the day. If I have worked the eighth step and become truly willing to make amends, I believe the opportunity will rise when I am ready. Courage to Change, page 163. And our last reading for today from Al-Anon Family Group's book, Hope for Families and Friends of Alcoholics, November 24. If I want what you have, I need to become willing to do what you have done. For me, this is the central tenor, tenet of Al-Anon's practice of sponsorship. While growing up in an alcoholic environment, I had become afraid of people and mistrustful of intimacy. Initially, I resisted many of the program's suggestions. It took me a long time to get a sponsor, but eventually, because I wanted what one particular person had, I asked her what she had done to achieve it. She became my sponsor. My recovery accelerated as I became willing to ask for another member's help. Today, I am blessed to have a sponsor and to be a sponsor for others. I am one link in a great chain of people, helping people. Having once felt incredibly alone and isolated, I'm now connected once again with humanity. The roles of sponsor and sponsee have taught me so much about normal, loving human relationships. I have learned how to practice unconditional love and emotional detachment how to set healthy boundaries, how to care for people without taking care of them, and how to let others get close to me without losing myself. Thought for the day. Sponsorship works when people love themselves enough to ask for help when others love themselves enough to say yes. <laughs> the most important thing is to be willing to reach out and ask for the help we need. Human to human. How Eleanor works for family and friends. Wow. Oh. Uh, all right, now, thank you so much. Uh, that's about it for right now. It's all my hard brain can handle. You know, um, these are incredible readings. Uh, I believe it's a culmination of uh, a fruit, a beautiful fruit that's been cultivated in Elnon year after year. Thank you for the editors who did this group, who did this. Thank you for incredible compilation and thinking and, and munzing over this great, great project that the, the committee, thank you for the committee of Elnon. You can get yourself a copy of this great book um, through phone number 
563-1600 or the webpage Alanon with a dash al dash anon period alateen a l a t dot org This book is also available in Spanish, German, Japanese and French. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Let's pray out. Let's pray with the uh, serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Greetings, family. Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Fernando. I am an alcoholic and in recovery. I'm recovering a lot of things that I could have had, but I decided to drink. Now, God has given me a second chance, all of us, to recuperate all that we could have had, should have had, and rightly so, as children of God. Let's go ahead and uh, open up this session with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. Thank you so much for showing up today. Our first book of reading today is today's Daily Reflection. It's going to be followed by the 24-hour little book. And then we're going to have two other spiritual readings that are out of the this park. They're out of this world. They're right on, folks. Basically, they, they're good words that bring us good uh, good things. Good words bring of their kind. Good words follow of their kind. So that it's living me, right? It's living me. Good things are happening. We prayed, now let's expect good to happen. We prayed the Our Father together in unison. Now good is on our way. Our daily bread. God's perfect kingdom from heaven for us is on its way. It's here for us. Do not fret. Do not worry. All will be well. <laughs> we can laugh of our difficulties and circumstances. You're probably saying, enough of that, Fernando. Let's get on with the reading. So here we go. Today's Daily Reflection brought to you by AA.org. It says, only two sins. There's only two sins in this world. The first is to interfere with the growth of another human being. And the second is to interfere with one's own growth. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 542. Happiness is such an elusive state. How often do my prayers for others involve hidden prayers for my own agenda? How often is my search for happiness a boulder in the path of growth for another? 
or even myself. Seeking growth through humility and acceptance brings things that appear to be anything but good, wholesome and vital. Yet in looking back, I can see that pain, struggles, and setbacks have all contributed eventually to serenity through growth in the program. I ask my higher power to help me not cause another's lack of growth today or my own. Fernando, I am in recovery. There are only two sins. The first is to interfere with the growth of another human being, and the second is to interfere with one's own growth. The first thing that comes to mind is judgment, judgment of others, judging of myself, jealousy of another person trying to accomplish something, and they divulge too much, and they become vulnerable to my venom. Or they, they come up with a little uh, goal, a small goal. And we try to be uh, control freaks. Even if they're going to fail, it's still, like we read right here, it's still, they still have the right attitude. When they, all of us, when we attempt a goal, the goal is the right attitude. And we got to try it. And then from there, we go from a learning experience. We go to another one, another one, another one. That's living life, folks, and responding properly and letting others do that, you know. Encourage, you know. What can happen? You know, uh, life is in session. Let's move on with it. You can't hold it back. Okay, uh, 24-hour little book, November 22nd, AA Thought for the Day. I have gotten rid of my most of my boredom. One of the hardest things that a new member of AA has to understand is how to stay sober and not be bored. Drinking was always the answer to all kinds of boring people or boring situations. But once you have taken up the interest of AA, once you have given it your time and enthusiasm, boredom should not be a problem to you. A new life opens up before you that can be always interesting. Sobriety should give you so many new interests in life that you shouldn't have time to be bored. Have I gotten rid of the fear of being bored? Meditation for the day. If I have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Charity means to care enough about other people to really want to do something for them. A smile, a word of encouragement, a word of love goes wing on its way. Simply, though it may seem, while the mighty words of an orator fall on deaf ears. Use up the odd moments in your day in trying to do some little thing to cheer up another person. Boredom comes from thinking too much about yourself. Prayer for the day. I pray that my day may be brightened by some little act of charity. I pray that I may try today to overcome the self-centeredness that make me bored. All right. Love means to care enough about other people to really want to do something for them. And sometimes love is just praying for that other person before they're... uh, before you even see them praying for their for their welfare
All right, let's go ahead and move on to today's uh, Faith to Faith with Kenny Copeland. Let me bring it up on the on the free page here. Yeah, boredom has not had a problem over here. There's, as it is, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to get done. There's a lot to be uh, grateful for. As a matter of fact, there's not enough time in the day to get all the good that there's available, you know, all the uh, appreciation factors in, you know, appreciate all that we have, all our friends. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, I think it was yesterday I put my feet on the grass or the day before, and I was meditating and waiting upon God, and we were talking about God's will. And then my five friends that were closest to me, all of them seemed to text me within half hour. They, you know, I must have communicated with them or something happened that they, they, uh, they, they all sent a text or a call or what you're doing. It was kind of unusual that the power of, of, of getting together with God, waiting on him for his, his will, you know, all these people came looking and calling. All right, let's move on here. Faith to Faith, November 22nd. Become Sensitive Again by Kenny Copeland. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 tells us, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be you kind to one another, tender-hearted." Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Years ago, I was in Detroit. I met a woman who was raised in a communist bloc country. While I was visiting with her, a news broadcaster came on, and as we sat there listening to it, suddenly tears came to her eyes. What's the matter, I asked. Although I hadn't noticed that the news commentator had said something derogatory about the president. I don't like to hear anyone talk about this country like that, she said. I don't care whether it's true or not. I don't want to hear it. The newcaster commented had slipped right by me. But it had brought tears to her eyes. Why? Because she had a sensitive heart where this country is concerned. We need to be more like that, dear, like that dear lady, when it comes to our pastors, our teachers, our neighbors, our evangelists, even ourselves, even our fellow own believers. We need to realize that our own sensitivity has driven the anointing of the Holy Spirit from many of our lives in churches and our meetings. We need to realize that the license we were given Ourselves to criticize other members of the body of Christ has weakened us all. What will strengthen us again? The power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that has falls on every sensitive seeking heart. I urge you to regain the tender heart you once had. Remove the calluses within you by repentance, by a commitment to live the law of love by a renewed devotion to the word and by fellowship with your Father. 
Don't allow the conditions of your heart to hold back the Spirit of God. Become sensitive again. And let me go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 4. The whole chapter, I believe. And uh, so we can pray for others and, and learn how to repent. And that includes us. Don't be so uh, hard on ourselves either, too. All of us are always repenting on that part. How to be more sensitive. Here we go. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. Please listen up. Unity in the body or unity in the meeting rooms. Therefore, I... Prisoner to, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Always keep yourself united in the Holy Spirit and bind yourself together with peace. We are all one body. We have the same spirit. And we have been called to the same glorious future. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And there is only one God and Father who is over us all and in us all and living through us all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This means that Christ first came down to the lowly world in which we live. The same one who came down is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that his rule might fill the entire universe. He is the one who gave the gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature in Christ. Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different, or because someone has clearly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part it does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. With the Lord's authority, let me say this, live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their closed minds are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They don't care anymore about right and wrong, and they have given themselves over to immortal ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. But that isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ. Since you have heard all about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, 
Throw off your old evil nature and your former ways of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new nature because you are a new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. So put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other and don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger, anger gives you a mighty foothold. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. He can get into us with anger. If you're a thief, stop stealing. Being using, begin using your hand for honest work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use fall or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He is the one who has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, anger, hatred, harsh words, and slander, as well all types of malice behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And in our AA circles, we say, in our 12-step program, we say, love and tolerance. Love and tolerance is our code. And... You know, uh, thanking God for if if we're angry or mad, thanking God, that puts uh, the devil on the run. When you bring in God into the, the anger, into the jealousy, into the rage, you say, I thank you, God, I'm rageful. Thank you, God. That makes the, uh, the devil run like the dickens. He's out of here. He cannot understand. He cannot control you. He's controlling us with anger, controlling us with all this craziness. You know, and that's a good way to put him on the run. And uh, you'll receive pardon. You'll receive a, a new way of thinking. And you keep at it till anger is defeated. Till all these evil symptoms are defeated by thanking God for the evil symptoms. Okay? It's scriptural. It can be done. The intelligent person takes things in consideration and tries them. And if they work, he keeps them. The uh, the hateful person or the judgmental would judge it and say it's too hard work. Oh man, it's it's a lot of hard work to be thanking God for my critical attitude. What happens if I'm not critical anymore? I'm going to lose my personality. People won't respect me now. I don't know what they're going to say. All right, let's go ahead and shift gears here. Let's get a high gear going. Thank you so much for coming today, this thankful uh, weekend, week of uh, Thanksgiving. I pray your day is going fine and your preparations are good and your heart is overwhelmed. You know, my heart is heavy for what happens in uh, with that car on that parade that uh, that he, he hit some kids with a car because they were they were parading uh, a Christmas 
uh, in the street. Oh, Lord, we pray for the people that have been hurt in today's accidents, Lord, around the world. We pray for the people that have lost loved ones, Lord. We pray for their souls, that they may get closer to you, Lord, and heal them, Lord. Heal their souls and their minds, Lord. Hold them, Lord Jesus. All right, November 22nd, Limitless Love. What happens is next... What happens next is up to you. This is by Gloria Copeland. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. Colossians 2.15 Why do bad things happen to good people? It seems very, a very timely a tragedy takes place. It seems every time a tragedy takes place, people start asking the question. They act as if it's some deep, unfathomable mystery. But the fact is, it's a question with a very simple answer. Bad things happen because of the devil. He is mean and ruthless. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to good people and bad and brings evil to anyone who will let him. But if God loves us, someone might say, why doesn't he do something about that? He already has. He sent Jesus to the earth to defeat him on our behalf. He sent him to disarm the devil and bring him to nothing. Hebrews 2.14 And through his death, burial, and resurrection, that is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus defeated the devil in his own dominion. He stripped from him all his rights and authority in the earth. He canceled all the devil's legal claims by paying the price of sin so that he no longer has any power over any person who receives Jesus as Lord. Why then is the devil still giving believers so much trouble? Because he is an outlaw. Think of it in the natural terms as you can easily understand it. In our country, we have laws against murder, drugs, dealings, and theft. But if the law is not enforced, criminals still do those things, don't they? They will do every rotten thing they can get away with. The devil is the same way. He is a murderer. He is a thief. He takes what doesn't belong to him. So even though he has no legal right to do bad things to good people, he will do it anyway. If we let him get away with it, he'll steal our authority and use it against us with the words of our mouth. He'll pressure us into saying things that legally open the doors to his destructive plans. Even though God loves us clearly and paid a high price to secure our freedom, if we don't enforce his word in our lives, Satan will continue to dominate us. Anyway, he'll put sickness on us if we don't enforce God's word about healing. He'll put poverty on us if we don't enforce God's word about prosperity. We cannot simply sit around waiting for God to do something about the devil. That's unscriptural. The Bible says God has already done his part. What happens next is up to us. We can continue to let the devil operate illegally in our lives, or we can do what the Bible says and resist him. We can drive him out of our lives with the word of God. We can personally see to it that he doesn't get away with a thing.
Gloria Copeland, Limitless Love. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Wonderful reasons. Wonderful reading. Let's go ahead and uh, acknowledge the Lord in the presence of all the people that have lost loved ones today. Let us say the Our Father for them. Let us hold hands. Let us imagine holding hands with all the hurt people and all the people around there. Let us pray for this country, the Our Father. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray Psalm 23 for the families that have lost loved ones in the last 24 hours by, uh, by the evil practices of... Uh, let's bind Satan in his tracks. Let's, let's pray the uh, Psalm 23 first, please. Let's say, The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pasture, and he leads us beside the still waters. The Lord restores our souls. He, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for his rod and his staff, they comfort us. The Lord has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. The Lord has anointed our head with oil. Our cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. The devil, you're defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Satan, you are defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the words of my testimony. No, you have no business in this place. Get, there's no, you're unlawful to be in this house, in this place, in this home. In the name of Jesus Christ, we cast you out, Satan. You've been declared law. You're out of jurisdiction, Satan. You're out of here by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray for this, the families that lost loved ones with Psalm 23. Just listen up, please. The Lord is the shepherd of those family members and friends. They shall not want. The Lord makes them lie down in green pastures and leads them beside the still waters. The Lord restores their souls. The Lord leads them in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though they walk through this valley of the shadow of death, they will fear no evil, for you are right beside them, Lord. Your staff and your rod, they comfort them. Lord, you prepare a table before them in the presence of their enemies. You anoint their head with oil, their cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow them all the days of their life, and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Lord, thank you for healing the ones that are 
are hurt and that are alive. Thank you for healing the families. And we agree with all the prayers in the country for their healing. We pray, Lord God, in the heavens, the blood of Jesus will heal them and establish them and provide for them. Thank you, Father God, for for putting a hedge of thorns of protection around this country and every innocent person, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you, family. Have a good day. Keep thanking and praising God. Prison to Praise was a great bestseller. Then we had Praise Works, another book by Marilyn Carotters. Praise Works. Here it is, his preface. Not every prisoner is a criminal sentenced for a violation of the law. Not every prisoner is made of stone and steel. The hard black coal bars of mental facilities surround some of the blackest prisons in the world. They are like solid granite mountains, immovable and permanent. Millions of people are locked up and many are tied down. In these monuments of man's failure to find a solution for mental agony. Millions of others, you may be one of them, are not locked up in actual physical building, but are imprisoned just as surely in prisons of their own making. They are so bound by their fears and frustrations, their problems and angers, their unforgiveness and unbelief that they cannot enjoy the liberty of Christ died to give them, nor the abundant life he promised to those who would take hold of his faith. But there is relief. There is a way out of even the darkest prisons of despair and self-pity. Miracles are happening today. I could tell you a thousand, but I, I admit, I must admit, limit this book but I must limit this book to only a few illustrations of what God is doing for people today. Prisons of all kinds are being invaded with praise. Your prison, whatever its form, can be removed and you can be transformed by a joy that is beyond your understanding. Learn the secret of freedom through praise and you may see your situation change. Better yet, you yourself will be changed, never to be a prisoner again. Freedom is real. Freedom is forever. Freedom comes through praise. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. This book that I'm reading is called Praise Works. It's in this, in this library. You'll have to look for it. Here we go, page one. Frank Foglio, author of Hey God, and an international director of the Full Business Gospel Businessman, told me one of the most remarkable accounts of deliverance through praise I have ever heard. Frank's daughter was in a terrible automotive accident. Her head was severely injured, and although many thousands of prayers were made for her recovery, her mental condition grew steadily worse. Finally, she had to be placed in the hopeless ward of an institution. It was the very end of the line. Patients in that ward were so far removed from reality that their families seldom came to visit them. 
One patient had been strapped down for 12 years. Others sat passively staring at nothing, their vacant eyes reflecting minds emptied of all knowing. Still others laid rigid in beds without sight or motion. Vegetables, Frank's daughter had clawed her way out of a straitjacket and tried to hang herself with a bedsheet. It had been seven years since that accident, and the absolute hopelessness of his daughter's condition began to take its toll on a very tough Italian. Frank's faith in God started to waver. On one very difficult trip to the institution, Frank was arguing with God. How could you be a God of love? I wouldn't let such a thing happen to my daughter if I had the power to prevent it. You could heal her, but you won't. Don't you love people as much as even I do? You must not, Frank felt his anger rising against God. Praise me. A voice said to him, What for? Frank replied. Praise me that your daughter is where she is. Never, he spit out. I would rather die than do that. God had no right to ask him to praise him when God wasn't doing his own job of showing his love for people. Frank remember hearing a tape about giving thanks for all things. He had been deeply moved by the message, but at that moment he was in no mood to put it into practice. Thank me that your daughter is exactly where she is, the voice said again. Thank me that your daughter is exactly where she is. God, I couldn't praise you if I tried. I'm not going to try because I don't believe I should. As Frank continued toward the facility, the Holy Spirit worked in his heart, and he felt his attitude begin to soften. He said, well, God, I would praise you if I could, but I just can't. A little further along, he confessed, I would praise you, but you would have to help me. After arriving at the institution, Frank went through the necessary procedures to get Clarence into the most restricted part of the building. It always took a long while to get into his daughter's ward. Sometimes he wondered why he continued to come. His daughter didn't recognize him. She didn't know him from a stone on the ground. Finally, Frank was in the last waiting room, the one that separated him from his daughter's ward. One steel door remained to be opened. <clears throat> Standing before it, Frank Foglio heard the calm, firm voice of God one more time. Thank me that your daughter is exactly where she is. The disobedience, the unwillingness, the hardness of heart had melted away. The stony heart of anger and bitterness and unbelief had somehow been replaced with a responsive heart of flesh. Frank, his throat choked with emotion, whispered his surrender. Okay, God. Okay, God, I thank you that my daughter is where she is. I know that you love her more than I do. Then a vaguely familiar voice cried out. I want my daddy. I want my daddy. The attendant opened the door and Frank raced to his daughter's compartment. She threw out her arms and embraced her father. Daddy, 
Daddy, where have you been? Nurse, attendants, and guards gathered around, weeping with joy. Frank says, Tell everyone our daughter is home now with us. We know that God always wants us to praise Him, no matter how things look. The author, Marilyn Carotters, he comments, It took Frank only a few minutes to tell his story, and it took only a few minutes for you to read it. But try to picture the seven long years of anxiety, frustration, tears, and fearful prayers. God saw their need from the very beginning and longed to meet it, but he had to wait patiently to let them learn what they needed to know. One day, Frank walked with his daughter to the platform of our church in Escondido, California. Her shining face and happy laughter were a statement of joy to the congregation. The Holy Spirit of God caused praise to rise within me. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you for teaching me the deliverance you have provided through praise. Help me to share this glorious good news with the whole world. You may be laboring over your own problems, nearly ready to give up. How long have you been struggling to find an answer? How great has your pain been? God has a perfect solution to your problem. He will move heaven and earth for you at the right time and in the right way. Praise Him. Trust Him. Believe Him. Job 5, 17 and 19 says, Happy is the man whom God corrected. Therefore, despite not the chastening of the Almighty, for he maketh sore and bind it up. He wounded and his hands make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles. Yeah, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. Job 5, 17 and 19. That's from the book Praise Works, which is in this category. You have to look for it. Scroll down through this library of... Uh, of recordings and I have the whole book I'm reading the whole book on the podcast now our next story is from an attorney and that would be it for right now here we go 14 years ago a 42 at age 42 I was the DA of the county and a practicing alcoholic I still had my wife, although our marriage was shot. My wife says the only reason that we stayed together was because one or both of us were always too drunk to pack. In trying to, <clears throat> to find some answer for myself, I had purchased a Revised Standard Version of the Bible and a Haley's Bible Handbook. I used to sit with the Bible, the reference book, and a fifth of whiskey. When the whiskey was gone, I would curse because the Bible held no answers for me. About this time, I was getting up to attend an early Bible study breakfast held at a restaurant. I usually showed up very belligerent with a terrific hangover. Surprisingly enough, the man attending never threw me out, although they must have wanted to. I started praying to whatever power caused the earth to turn, the tides to come and go, and the rain to fall, that he would help me stop drinking. I came to believe that he was helping me, and after a few months, I made a decision for Christ. I was so overjoyed with what the Lord was doing for me that I tried to share with everyone. 
Many of them thought I was ridiculous. I just couldn't keep quiet, so I started sharing with prisoners in the jail. The Holy Spirit converted many of these prisoners. <clears throat> because I was so nervous during my first year of sobriety, I used to ask God every day to make me less nervous. After a year of sobriety, I was in Portland at an AA meeting. I mentioned that my, despite my prayers, I was more nervous after a year of sobriety than I had been before. One lady said, Don't worry about it. Many members in Portland had the same experience. They call it frantic serenity. Frantic serenity? The thought came to me that maybe I've been going about this thing the wrong way. I remember that during the war, I had used nervous energy to keep going when the other man could not. I decided that being nervous was a gift from God, and I should be thanking him instead of demanding that he change me. So I started thanking God every day for being so nervous, and that is when a miracle took place. I became calm with my nervousness. Huh. This summer, I read Prisoner Praise and Power in Praise and understood what the Holy Spirit had taught me. About a month ago, I had an absolutely disastrous week in court, losing three cases in a row. I said, Lord, I don't see how this can possibly work out for the good of my clients, but thank you anyway. And since then, I have seen clear evidence in each case that it is working for my clients good. My comments. The author, Marin Carotter's comments, Lawyers, doctors, and specialists in many fields are stepping forward to say, Praise works. Praise works. Unbelievers are forced to take another look at God's promises. The reactions vary, but in some way they are all saying, It sounds absolutely crazy, but praising God for everything turned my disastrous life into an incredible new experience. Peace I leave with you, says Jesus. My own peace I give and bequeath to you. John fourteen twenty seven Amplified Bible. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I give and bequeath, bequeath to you. John fourteen twenty seven. Page eighty nine. Praise works. Guilty for becoming sick. Since Jesus became a living reality in my life, and I've been filled with his Holy Spirit, I accepted him as my healer. Previously, I had the colds, headaches, and aches that most elderly people have. But I found a new help that gives my life a new kind of joy. I share this experience with many of my Christian friends and help them to have new help. Others didn't understand, but were thankful for what I had. One morning, I became violently ill, and my husband took me to the doctor. The doctor rushed me <clears throat> to the hospital. Several doctors dropped what they were doing and prepared to operate. Everything happened so quickly, I could hardly believe it was me. My husband agreed with the doctors that I should have surgery. I was shocked. How could I be physically ill when Jesus has so clearly made me well. I had perfect peace that he would always supply all I need, but I couldn't deny that I was violently ill and had signs of approaching death. 
I agreed to the operation. They found a malignant cancer that they believed would have killed me that very day. When I recovered and on the way back to health, my fate was in deep turmoil. Had I failed God? Would my friend's faith in God be shattered by my own failure? What should I tell him about an experience I didn't understand myself? I could find no rest and no peace. I know that I am God's child, but carry great guilt that I have failed him so miserably. The author comments, This kind of guilt and fear is growing in our Christian community. As God is bringing health and healing to many, others are falling into fear and condemnation. This fear is fed by those who declare it is wrong to accept illness. Those who rightly share God's healing power are sometimes unwise in not completing their ministry by sharing God's will for us to praise and thank Him. It is true that He does want us to be well, but it is also true that our spiritual weakness sometimes keeps them from healing us. Should we then lament our weakness and groan because of our failure? I do not believe so. Every time we fail, we are testimony to one all-important fact. We are imperfect, but Christ is perfect. We need Christ to supply what we are not. Our imperfection is a powerful reminder to us that we need Christ to supply what we cannot do or be. This is God's will. Paul received many powerful answers to prayer Yet he had to endure one thing that he had asked God to remove. This reminded him of his weaknesses and kept him dependent upon Christ. Of course, others may be wounded by our lack of perfect faith. That is not our problem. It is his. He has accepted us as his own and understands that there are many things that we do not understand. We should not say, I'll just accept all sickness that comes along and not exert our faith to be well in Christ, we should reach out as far as we can, believe Him, and trust Him to take care of whatever problems develops. Too many people are needlessly suffering with guilt. Guilt and condemnation never help faith to grow. But praise and thanksgiving multiply our faith to receive the blessing that God has already for us. But praise and thanksgiving will multiply our faith to receive the blessing that God has already for us. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, John 14, 1. I'm Fernando, and my comment is, is that if she didn't start praising God and being open to the surgery and have her spirit intact when she went into surgery, it would have been a whole different uh, situation. She probably started growing uh, that bad seed of cancer way back when she was a little girl. And it continue to grow and grow and grow. Um, I don't see any, I see nothing but success in praising God. Because uh, I'm sure she wasn't praising God all her life, right? And something was growing. So it was kind of like God just cut it off. And alive and well. And a very good point is that we, we tend to lean to the negative side and moan and groan our losses. Because I guess we're trying to be perfect. And uh, the idea that we live and die, that means we're not perfect, okay? <laughs> if we were perfect, we would live. May We are perfect. We're going to live in heaven. That's the memory we have, that we are 
uh, permanently eternal with God, and and we're trying to uh, illuminate this life. Our role is to help uh, heal and establish other people in thanking and praising God no matter what. Amen. Okay, our next story comes in to us from Russia. In 1968, I had the opportunity to go to Moscow, Russia, as a tourist. On the second day there, during a guided tour, I fell and badly sprained my ankle. The pain was so terrific that I nearly passed out. The guide called for medical assistance and an ambulance arrived with men on white coats. Through the translator, they told me I had an exceptional bad sprain and shouldn't put any weight on my leg. They bandaged it, which seemed to make it hurt worse. When the men finished, I asked them where I could get crushes. They didn't know. They didn't even know where a a cane could be purchased or borrowed. A friend with me asked if an ice pack would help my ankle. They said it might. No one offered to help me, so I hobbled over to our car and returned to the hotel. With agonizing pain, I managed to get to our room. My friend went downstairs to try to locate some ice, an aspirin, or any painkiller. By this time, my leg was badly swollen. When I took the bandage off, I could see the entire ankle was black and blue. The pain was so bad, I had to do something to get my mind off of it. I thought of singing. The only song that came to my mind was, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Gritting my teeth and singing, I did my best. By the end of the chorus, something strange had happened to my to the ankle. The pain was gone. I stood up and walked around and laughed and laughed. The ankle was still swollen and black, but there was absolutely no pain. When my friend came back, she couldn't believe me when I told her the pain was gone. The next morning, the ankle was still black, but the swelling had started to go down. Still no pain. No trace of pain ever came back to that ankle. I hadn't read Prisoner of Praise then, and I didn't know about the powerful force of praise. But now I understand why God touched me. My comments. Marilyn Carrado says, What a powerful commentary on the power of praise. God used praise to bring healing, although this woman only intended to get her mind off her pain What healing could be released in this world if we would praise them continually? The reservoir of power within you may be dormant, but your praise and trust in God could release healing and life to many. Many people, God will use your praise to set many captives free. And I will sing praises to the name of the Lord Most High, Psalm 717. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Our next letter is called, Ask God for Mercy. Only God knows what I have suffered. Long trouble, stomach trouble, heart trouble, severe dizziness, depression, weakness, and fear. Would you ask God to have mercy on me and heal me and take away this terrible fear? I was very sick all summer with high blood pressure. My husband doesn't seem to want to help me. 
I think all this trouble is a result of almost a lifetime of brooding over my husband's interest in other women. I also have a low blood sugar condition. I'm 48 years old, and with all my sicknesses, I don't know if I can carry on. My comments. God has not caused this woman's problems. Satan has brought this sickness, fear, and depression upon her. God gave his only son to die for this woman in order to provide her with peace of mind and physical healing along with forgiveness of her sins. Isaiah 53, 5. Like many people, she is brooding over problems while asking God to solve them. Huh. God has already made provisions for each of our needs. Jesus accepted our sickness, sins, and distresses on the cross. His part is complete. Oh, if people could only see this. God wants us to believe that through Jesus, he meets all of our needs. Philippians 4.19 How can this dear woman be set free? By thanking God for her husband, just as he is, and her, for herself, just as she is. When she rejoices that God is working out his perfect plan, she will then be at peace. Her physical problems will be as nothing compared to the peace she experiences. I believe this can usher her into better health. It probably will not be instantaneous, but will gradually make a big change in the self-pity and anxiety she has labored under for so long. Our greatest need is to realize that God has already met all our needs through his Son. Our part is to accept his gift. Of course, it isn't an easy thing for us to do. But we can start by accepting our lives exactly as they are and believe that God is working out his perfect plan for us. He is. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I feel like walking pain. Our next letter. Writing this is so painful. Two weeks ago, my beautiful 17-year-old son ran out the door in bellow cereal weather, wearing only his undershorts and socks, hallucinating from a huge amount of LSD. He was found frozen to death. I am trying to praise God. I'm pr I praised him while the whole town was searching for our son and while he was dying. Now, I don't know. Please tell me specifically how to praise God. I feel so guilty. We fail our son in a million ways when he needed us most. I know God forgives me, but I am having so much trouble forgiving myself. I feel like walking pain. My answer, says Marilyn Carruthers. The boy who ran out of the house was not controlled by his own mind. A drug had taken over. He was not even aware of what he was doing. 
The lasting result of your son's death now depend on you. Of course, Satan mean it to destroy you, your faith, and your family. But by offering the sacrifice of praise, you can now defeat him. What Satan meant for evil, God can use to bring forth good. Believe that God will use the entire incident to work out good. He uses the senseless death of Jesus on the cross, and he can use your son's death to bring light and hope to others. How? Through your faith. His power is released. He will use everything for good if you trust him. Your son's death could profit nothing if nothing is done to make it do so. Fear, anguish, self-pity, regret, guilt, doubts all fall into the Satan's plan. If you succumb to these things, you will be used just as your son was used. His temptation was LSD. Yours is guilt and fear and pain. They kill and destroy just as LSD does. Guilt and self-blame can make you as helpless to gain victory as your son was. God understands this, and he has provided praise to release his mighty power to bring something glorious out of this tragedy. He will, not you. He will. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I was shot. A young woman said to me at the close of a meeting, a girlfriend of mine received a copy of Prison of Praise from a friend who had received it from another friend. Your book changed my life. I tried to get my husband to read it, but he refused. Then he was involved in an accident where he was shot with a gun four times. She introduced me to her husband. He said, I don't know why I wasn't interested in reading the book, but I just wasn't. After I was shot and was in the hospital, I had a little time to think. One bullet had gone through a lung. Another had torn away part of it of six ribs. One went through my neck. I was really messed up. When my wife brought the book to me, I agreed to read it. I was still very weak, as it had been only two days since the accident. As I read your book, I was absolutely amazed at the things God did in your life. By the end of it, I had started thanking him that I had been shot. A voice inside me said, Okay, you can stand up and walk now. You have learned what you need to know. Whoa. I pulled the tubes and wired out of me and got up. When the nurse saw me, they started hollering, Get back in bed! Get back in bed! No, I can't, I told them. God has made me well. The doctors came and were so astonished they didn't know what to do. I was still very weak, but I got my clothes on and went home. I had no pain and no problem from then on. Thank you for writing this book. My Comments Four couples who knew this man and his wife stood around them saying, Isn't it wonderful God did this for him? And I saw him in the hospital before he read your book. 
Their beaming faces told me more than their words did. Yes, it is wonderful. Wonderful is exactly what God wants to do for people who have become bogged down in their own problems. Problems are needed only until we learn what we need to know. We are then free to go on to more important things. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us are more than can be numbered. Psalms 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us are more than can be numbered. I'm Fernando, and you notice that uh, you heard the word say, Okay, you can stand up and walk now. You have learned what you need to know. Isn't it sad that a lot of us have to be extremely roughed up to, to the only way a loving father can get his information to us for our life calling, for our life tasks. It, wouldn't it be easier to read God's word and praise him and thank him with the strength and the power we have now? That's just my thoughts. I have heard that voice before. I heard the voice tell me, this is the reason I had you to drive when that same instinct pulled me out of real estate into back to driving truck, I heard it clearly. There was a man standing there about, oof, I don't know, six, seven feet tall, and a loving, careful, intelligent, strong, manly voice said, this is the reason I have you to drive, very clearly. We're not alone, folks. We are loved and cared for. Let's take advantage of that. Our next story comes from We Were Happy, our next letter. My life and the lives of my little girls were shattered six weeks ago when my husband walked out on us for another woman. He has always lived an extremely moral and high principle life, but has no religious beliefs at all. When anyone tries to witness to him, he strongly resents us. We had a happy marriage, or at least I thought it was a happy until this happened. The woman says she loves him and he loves her. He is going to file for divorce. We had little things. We had little things in our marriage that had always made it seem extra special. We both were virgins when we became as one, and we never even left one another for a brief errand without kissing each other goodbye. One major thing missing from our marriage had been God. I was reared very religiously, but drifted away from God in my college years. And I couldn't feel a void, and I could feel a void in my life, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Since my husband has been gone, I have rededicated my life to God and feel closer to him than I have in a long time. Even with the closest to God, though, I get so despondent and depressed that I've even thought of taking my life. A friend of mine loaned me your book, Prison of Praise, and I received a great inspiration from it. Since then, I've been thanking God for my husband's leaving and even for this other woman. But I haven't been able to feel the joy and peacefulness 
that the Holy Spirit gives. I committed this whole thing to God and asked him for my husband's salvation. My husband has always been such a good person that he thinks he doesn't need God. My comments. When things are going well, we often do not realize our need of God. Our marriage and home may be holding together while we continue to do things we know we shouldn't and leave undone things we know we should do. God, in his goodness, may pull the props out from everything that is holding us together and let us see how much we need him. He loves us too much to permit life to run so smoothly that we never feel a need for Christ. One person told me, There is as much difference in my life since I learned to praise God for everything as there was when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise has completely changed my attitude. I haven't experienced a moment of unrest since I learned to praise and thank God for everything. Praise has given me more peace of mind than I ever had before. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is set on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26.3 He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is set on you because he trusts in you. Answers to your praise. This letter isn't an answer to my praise, but it sure is an answer to your praise. For 10 years, I did everything I could think of to help my husband accept Christ. I prayed, believed, fasted, and prayed some more. I left pieces of literature where I hoped he would read them, but he never did. I attended clinics on how to be a good wife and was as loving to my husband as I knew how to be. My efforts helped us to get along great, but my husband seemed further from accepting Christ than ever. Then I heard how a wife had given prison of praise to her husband. It was the first Christian book he had ever read. I decided to get a copy and try that. To my delight, my husband saw the book and started reading it. I literally held my breath while I prayed he would keep reading it. He read the entire book before he got out of his chair. Even after he was through, I didn't say a word for fear I would disrupt whatever God was doing. The next day he said, what do you think about that book? I said, what book? The one about the army chaplain. Do you think those things really happen? We talked about the book for a long while and he discovered that he had a new interest in finding out what it was to be a Christian. He soon accepted Christ and was then filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for praising the Lord. My comments, says Marilyn Carruthers. At the center of every man, there is a desire for praise. God built this desire into his creation. We can misdirect or misuse the desire, but it is still an instinct created by God. When a man hears or reads about praise to God, it touches the instincts within him, even when he does not realize what is happening to him. This arouses an interest and often leads to his being released from the outward facade of unconcern. If you cannot get something to read, 
If you cannot get someone to read a book on praise, you still have a powerful tool you can use. Simply live a life of praise. Being filled with a daily attitude of praise and joy will reach another person's heart, even when they do not know what you are doing. If you are irritable, cross, and critical, you push people away from God. If you are at peace, joyful, and considerate, they will be drawn toward God. But don't expect instant results. People who have been profession, professing Christians demonstrating the fleshly characteristics of non-Christians are not likely to respond immediately to your spirit of praise. Wives, fit in with your husband's plans, for then, if they refuse to listen when you talk to them about the Lord, they will be won by your respectful, pure behavior. Your godly lives will speak to them better than any words. First Peter 3, verses 1 and 2. Wives, fit in with your husband's plans, for then, if they refuse to listen when you talk to them about the Lord, they will be won by your respectful, pure behavior. Your godly lives will speak to them better than any words. Born Damage Your book, Power and Praise, is right on. I'm a junior in high school, and I am really turned on for Christ. When I read your book about praising God for everything that has happened, I could hardly believe it. When I was born, I suffered a brain damage that affected my ability to walk. I couldn't see how I could praise God for that. I shouldn't have in the past. I always wonder why God let me be born if I had to be a cripple. Even after I was a Christian, I wish I hadn't been born. When I tried doing what you said to do, boy, I couldn't believe what was happening to me. I got so excited I could hardly stand it. When I thanked God for my problem, I started feeling like I was the luckiest person in the whole wide world. That was several months ago, and I'm still on cloud nine. I used to have to try and cheer myself up, but now I have to hold my laughter down. I feel so great, I can hardly stand it. What has happened to me? My comments. This young man was carrying around the heavy burden of complaint against God. When he got rid of that by praising him, he was relieved of a great hindrance. Now he is free to grow in Christ. As he continues to praise God for everything, he will give him many new joys. The burden of complaining is far greater than most people realize. Satan uses it to dump all kinds of sadness upon us. If there are times when you have a heavy heart, it can probably be traced to your complaining about something. You may feel your complaint is justified, but is it worth the sadness that clings to you? Is God unfair to want you to be filled with the same joy his son had? Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Psalms 511. Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy.